Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored as always by Greening Law a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, now? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 354, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertain people. Oh, we got a lot to get into. What happened? I know many of you that follow us on Instagram saw the message that we posted of my injury that I have sustained. And there were some jokes on Instagram. We'll go through all. I will, I will tell you what happened to me and why we inexplicably didn't have episode for a couple of days. And some of you were even joking on our Instagram that based on what happened to me that I should have called Greening Law. Well, unfortunately, you know? I did it to myself, so I don't know how that would work, but <laughs> we'll get into that. But yes, if you have been injured, if you are hurt in a car accident, if you need a personal injury attorney because you had malpractice at a hospital or something, or you were injured on the premises of a business, you need to give Greening Loyal a call. I can tell you that because I worked with them for a year and a half the result was fantastic. I, I, I cannot believe what they were able to do for me and helping me guide me through this process. There's so many different things when you get into a car accident that's not your fault that you got to deal with. It, it literally was as simple. I, I can't, it's hard to describe how simple it was because you won't believe me. Because like, well, no way. You had to have done this, this, or this. I was like, nope. I, I basically called Green Law. They took me on as a client, and they kind of guided me in what to do. And all this other stuff that you think that you would have to deal with in that realm, they do it for you, which is amazing. It's Greening Law, man. If, if, if The Green Team, give the guy a call. No, you need to. And we've told you, man, if, if you're involved in an accident like Matt was or at a construction site or an apartment complex or, you know, anywhere that's not your crib, you need to pick up the phone, dial 972-934-8900, and say, hey, here's my situation. What do you guys think? And if they bring you on as a client, it's been a great day for you because, number one, the phone call for them to bring you on for a client, the consultation, absolutely free. And then they don't get paid unless you get paid. So you've always know that they're going to ride with you, walk with you, guide you, because they're not cashing any checks unless you're cashing checks. That's exactly right. And it's easy, as you mentioned. I mean, it's a free consultation. So give them a call. If you have a case, it, it, the consultation might take 10 minutes at the most over the phone. They'll let you know, hey, we, you got a case. Maybe not. 
Find out. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call now, offices, Dallas, Texas. So what happened? And then we've got all this audio from Jerry who spoke to a select few Cowboys reporters on the bus, and I cut up some of those slices to play for you guys. Maybe we can make sense of what Jerry had to say. Who knows? At the Combine last week, Clarence Hill Jr. is going to join us from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. See if he can make sense. I mean, he was one of the guys sitting literally right next to Jerry. Maybe he can help us make sense of it all. But what happened? So many of you, if you follow us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast, we had posted an update. Matt suffered a mild concussion that has pushed the next episode back a couple of days. But fear not, the episode will return Friday, which, of course, you're listening to that now. And, and some of you had some ideas. So what happened? As Anthony said, hey, Matt, call the green team. Solid advice. You had, you had uh, this one here, Derek, who, who commented, was he sipping the barbecue sauce again and not paying attention where he was walking? <laughs> That's funny. I like this one. A couple of you weighed in with something like this, like Ryan, who posted, he must have hit his head after he fainted seeing the Daniel Jones contract. People got jokes. They got jokes. But no, and, and this is this is a true story, and it's a story in which if if it even my mom, when I told my mom what happened, it was like, wow, that's random. And it, it's one of those things, it feels like it would only happen to me. But the other day I was leaving to go do my radio show, and you know, that this is that time of the year when the weather is nice, that there's a lot of wasps out everywhere. And so I was getting into the car and I noticed a wasp had flown and landed like on the door jam of the car, a big red wasp. So I'm sitting there, I'm looking at it and I'm trying to decide, okay, do I try to jump in the car real quick and hope it doesn't come in here with me? Do I just leave the door open and see if it'll fly away? Do I throw the door closed real quick and maybe it'll crush it or force it to fly away? So I'm like, okay, well, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to slam the door and maybe it'll either fly away or it'll get smashed in the door jam. Well, unfortunately, (laughs) I was leaning over. Like, I wasn't standing straight up. I was leaning over because I was looking into the door jam to see it. And so I was kind of like, my head was a little bit in the car. So I went and I slammed the door shut. And I didn't realize that I, my head was in the path of the door. You slammed it on yourself. I, I, I slammed the door onto the side, onto my side of my head myself. Yes. Man, that's like a Taylor move. I can't believe you you succumbed to that, dude. I it and immediately, I mean, it sliced my ear. I was bleeding. It felt like I'd gotten punched really hard or hit with something. You know, I was wobbly and I felt really weird. So I run into the house and I'm like, oh my god, oh oh, what happened? What's going on? And and I'm trying to see like how bad my ear is bleeding. And so the lady fiance like she's like, what happened to you? What's going on? And I, I was like, I slammed the car door in my head. <laughs> She's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, my ear is bleeding, but I can't tell. Can you tell how bad it is? And <laughs> and she looks at it. She goes, oh, your ear is torn. Like the, you know, if you look at a human ear, the 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 most inside earlobe that's attached to like your actual head, not the one that's on the low part, but the one that's like in the middle. I had sliced that like slightly open, and then like the door had cut me, you know, kind of into my hair and all that. And so wow. Yeah, so she's going, oh my gosh, I think you need stitches. And of course, I'm like, I don't need stitches, but I I can't see it. So can you please just bandage it? I need to go to the station. And she's like, yeah, you're wobbling around. Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm sure I'll be fine. And so she puts like, we couldn't get it covered with the Band-Aid. So she had to put gauze over my ear. And we ended up like taping gauze to the side of my head. 
because keep in mind, I take blood thinners. So my, my, when I get cut and bleed, it's different than when a normal person gets cut and bleeds. Like I, I tend to bleed a lot more and it takes longer for it to stop because I'm trying not to clot. So my blood doesn't clot as easily as a normal person's because I'm on blood thinners. So I'm driving to the station and I'm feeling real, I feel weird. I'm like, man, you know, and I'm starting to go like, holy crap, do I have a concussion? So I get to the station and the guy's like, hey, are you all right? And I tell him what happens. And they're like, dude, you look a little off. And, w- and my program director, our boss, looks at me and goes, man, your eyes look weird. And I was like, really? And I'm like, oh, I'm sure I'm fine. And as the show, like I get like like half an hour into the show, I'm like, man, I, I keep closing my eyes and talking with my eyes closed. It, it really bothered me to read like my laptop or anything. So I told right. him, I was like, hey, I, I think I need to leave and go to the emergency room and get checked out. And you're like, yeah, that's totally fine. And so this is another part of the story. So we, we share a car, like it's her car. And I like, ever since I got my car totaled, we've just shared a car because we don't really need two cars. Like there's no reason to bring on that extra expense right now. Cause we don't need one. Right. So she's at the house with no car. I text her. I'm like, Hey, I think you need to come get me. I don't need to be driving. I need to go to the two to, to the doctor. So she has to get an Uber up to the station so they can drop her off. She gets me. Well, I didn't know this. I don't know if you know this. They don't do concussions at like an urgent care or a doctor or anything. Really? Why is that? They don't want the liability? For whatever reason, head injuries, you have to go to the hospital. And I didn't know that. So we drove to an urgent care and they're like, yeah, you'll have to go. There's a standalone ER that's not too far from here. You'll have to go over there. I'm like, great. I didn't want to go to the emergency room. So then I'm debating. I'm like, do I need to go to the emergency room, which is going to cost more, obviously, than a doctor visit? I'm like, man, you know, I'm pretty sure I have a concussion, but whatever. And then the problem is that with me taking blood thinners, you know, you run the risk when you get hit really hard like that of internal bleeding that you don't know about. I didn't know that. And so that's a big problem is for me with blood thinners, anytime I get hit really hard, that was a big thing when I had my car wreck. The main reason why they they took me to the hospital really quick and I had all kinds of tests done was to make sure I didn't have internal bleeding because you bleed a lot easier. I mean, like normally, like one of the risks of taking blood thinners is you can bleed into your stomach just normally because, again, my blood is thinner than a normal human's because if I don't take blood thinners, I have a 70 to 80 times more likely chance my blood's going to clot, which is wow. also really bad. So then it becomes, I, I've had a blood clot before, which is when I discovered that I have this hereditary thing, thanks dad, that got passed down to me that I have to take blood thinners because I'm, you know, I could get random blood clots, which happened to my dad when he was in his 40s. So it's a long story. But back to the original thing, we get to the, so we decide to go to the hospital because of that. And also, you remember Bob, Bob Saget and how he died? Yeah. About how he fell yeah, and hit his head and he thought he didn't think anything of it. Yeah. And so he just went to sleep like, you know, that night, like nothing was wrong and never woke up. And man, I could not get that out of my head. I just, I was like, yeah, I I kept thinking about that. I was like, well, you know, it seems like, yeah, my, like, you know, this is, I'm having difficulty focusing and I feel really tired. I have a ringing in my ears and all this. I'm like, I know I have a concussion. I don't think it's really that bad, but man, I don't want to be the guy who ignores this. And there's a, there's a real problem here. Yeah, and you wake up dead. Right. That wouldn't be good. Yeah, so we go to the the ER place, and sure enough, I mean, the guy, like, immediately, he looks at me. He's like, yeah, he's like, I'd say you have a mild concussion. He's like, because, and I knew this. He goes, because you're on blood thinners, we need to give you a CT scan and scan your head to make sure you don't have any bleeding on the brain or anything in there from where you got hit. So I was like, yeah, I figured. 
And sure, so I, I went and had that done, all clear, no problems. And as soon as that came back, they're like, yeah, you're good to go. You know, just take it easy for a couple of days and monitor yourself, all that type of stuff. And, right, right. you know, I've had concussions before, so. Playing hockey? Yeah, yeah, sports growing up and mainly hockey. I mean, you know, when you get hit in the face with a hockey puck that shatters your nose and you wake up on the ground, you're probably concussed, so. Wow, yes, <laughs> yeah. probably so. Yeah, but that's why, you know, and that happened, and I texted you. I was like, man, I just, Tuesday was not good. Like, I just was, I felt really off. I kept wanting to fall asleep and close my eyes. I went to bed super early. I slept like nine hours overnight on Tuesday. And, you know, yesterday and today, the last couple of days, I've done my radio show from my house, and I haven't been, you know, I've, been, I've just been trying to lay low, and I actually feel way better as we're recording this today. Still a little fatigued which is normal coming off of concussions. But other than that, you know, the ringing in my ears has gone away. I feel like I can focus again. I'm not, other than that, I'm fine. So. Well, good. Glad to hear that, bro. But they put me in the concussion protocol, essentially. And, you know, I should be ready to go by Sunday <laughs> for the game. I'll be here. <laughs> That's good to know. Very good to know. Yeah, but it's interesting, you know, and, and it's one of those things I'm glad the lady fiance has been, she's really caring kind of person and, and, and worries about me. And, you know, I try to listen to her because I know a lot of the time she'll end up being right because you know how I, like, I'll just push through anything. I'm like, whatever, this is fine. It's not a big deal. You know. Yeah, can't tell you shit. Yeah, like with my ear, she's like, oh, you may need stitches. And I'm like, oh, whatever, it'll grow back together, which is true. And we get to the hospital, they're like, no, you don't really need a stitch. They're like, it's a little, you know, it, it'll, it'll, it'll be fine. And so that was a whole thing in itself because we couldn't get my ear to stop bleeding. Like, it bled. Oh, that's, I guess that's a classic case of the thinners. Huh? Yeah, that it, it, like when you get a cut like that, it'll bleed. And then, cause it, it, like a normal scraper cut, I don't really have problems with, but cut like that where it's a little deeper, it has problem clotting. Like it, so it'll, it, like the clot, like the scab on it'll be really soft. And it, it, it just like if it touches a pillow, it'll come off and it starts bleeding again. So, oh, really? Yeah, it was a pain in the ass. It finally stopped bleeding. I mean, it literally, like we kept changing the bandage on it. And every time we take the bandage off, there'd be just blood in the bandage again. And I was like, man, this thing is just going to drip blood for forever. It feels like, but I'm good now. So we're here, but that's what happened to me. And that's why you hadn't had a podcast in a couple of days. So, well, that's quite an adventure. Can't yeah, man, that was a, yourself, bro. a wild ass story. Yes. And I did it to myself. I slammed a car door in my own head. That's the amazing part. Yeah. And I knew immediately, dude. I mean, it, it's, I mean, I haven't been hit in the face in a long time and it, it's, that that jolts you. <laughs> I bet you get a metal door slammed against your head. That'll, you know, I was dazed for a bit there. I was like, whoa, what? What in the world? You know, one of those where you see stars and you're just kind of like trying to get your eyesight back and all that type of crap. I mean, got me good. So that's what happened. Good story there. Hope everybody enjoyed it. But I gotta <laughs> say, I mean, our listeners, you know, you guys have always been awesome, and you supported us for the last couple of years doing the podcast and on the radio before that, and. So many of you on Instagram that sent messages, you know, get well and, and all that type of stuff. So I appreciate each and every one of you that reached out. It was very cool to see that the jam session family coming together. Very nice. So thanks, guys. So let's dive into this Jerry audio because this is fascinating. And before we do that, let's tell you real quick about Freeway Tire Shop. You know, Jacques takes all of his cars there and you go, well, why? Why do I need Freeway Tire Shop? And I can tell you. It's about that trust factor, man. And, and I, I assume most of us are like that. And I've, I've kind of talked about this before being in Alabama now. I don't have JR and Freeway 
Like I get nervous when I take my car some places. I've asked friends here, hey, where do you go for brakes? Where do you go for tires? What, you know, that type of thing. Because I want to know I can go somewhere where I, somebody's vouching for them that, that I can trust. And that's why Freeway Tire Shop exists because we vouch for the guy. You can take your car and drop it off with JR and you don't have to be nervous. Fair price, quality work, stands behind it. You can trust him. That's what it's all about, man. It's all about trust, dog. Can you trust him? Can you trust him to diagnose what's wrong with your car? That's first and foremost because we've all been to places that couldn't get it, figure out what the hell was wrong with it. Then do you trust him to use quality parts, which is a big deal. And, uh, you know, I tell you all the time, one of the first things I did when I took a car, we said, hey, you can use these parts. And they're fine, but it'll, it'll come back a little sooner. Or you can use these more expensive parts, which are fine, and it'll, they'll last longer. It's up to you. I don't care whichever one you pick. Well, I never had that kind of option before. And then, man, you can trust them to charge you a fair price. It's work. It's a skill. It costs. But it's a fair price, so you don't mind paying it. And then, man, you can trust them, JR to stand behind his work. So, as I like to say, if your mechanic ain't doing every single solitary one of those things, Take your butt right up the road, right up 35 North toward Denton. Get off at Commonwealth. It's about five minutes from downtown, for real. Go through the light. It's on the right. Tell me the boys from Jam Session sent you. It'll be one of the best moves you've ever made because just like a doctor you can trust, ain't nothing better than a mechanic you can trust. That's right. It's Freeway Tire Shop, my friend. FreewayTireShop.com. So check them out. He'll get you taken care of. You know, I will say a couple people just like sent laughing emojis when I posted about the concussion on our Instagram. I was like, what is so funny about this? Like you didn't like the story now is funny. Like it's a funny story, but you don't know what happened to me. So is it just amusing that I had a concussion? I don't <laughs> I don't think head injuries are a laughing matter. The way I got the head injury was hilarious. Like now I tell it and I've had people laugh that I told you like, no way that's true. I'm like, oh, that, I mean, laugh. No, please right. do. Because that's exactly what happened. Even the nurse, like you, you tell a story like that. And it's almost like they want you to be like, okay, no. So did you get in a fight? Did, is this spouse abuse where your, your, uh, your fiance attacked you or something? Like what's going on here for real? I'm like, no, I, I literally slammed a car door into my own head. I don't know what else to tell you, bro. That's what happened. It almost, as we dive into this Jerry audio, there may be times where you're hearing him and you think somebody slammed a car door into his head. Because, wow. dude, there is some rambling. There is some weird... I got to tell you, because I watched the entire hour to see what he had to say, and there are times where you start wondering, like, okay, has he reached Al Davis level where you're really never going to win when he has a voice and a say in this thing? And, and that's harsh, and I get it, and I know, look, it, it, he's older. I mean, this is going to happen. He, he's not a spring chicken anymore, as they like to say. And, you know, there are times where I think he loses his train of thought and he rambles a bit. I mean, the dude's 80 years old. He turns 81 in, in during the season next year. But let's dive into this and see what you think. So we'll start off, and, and this is kind of looking back his thoughts last season about the youth on offense that didn't come through for them and the youth that they have on offense and what the expectation kind of is for that. Uh, we really did hope that we could uh, uh, have some young players last year, uh, really uh, some of the lesser named players that could really step in there and do what we wanted to do. As we look at our offense this year, one of the things that I'm wanting to see is how we can take players that we're counting on that might be younger that don't quite get to where we wanted them to go. And I want an offensive system in place.
that make them productive. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so if we learned anything from last year, let's take players that are drafted in the middle round or the early or earlier of the middle rounds. Let's take those guys. Uh, let's understand that uh, we might not get exactly what we're looking for there, but how about an offense that can use them the way they are? And let's get, let's get in and make those guys work. Uh, again, that's not critical. That sounds critical, but it's not being critical. I mean, I was like, how is that not critical? You're basically saying that the offense in which you had is the reason why your young guys weren't able to do anything. <laughs> I mean, that's what I got from what he was saying. Yeah, it's okay to be critical if, if that's what if that's what it calls for. I think uh, it sounds to me like he was talking about Jalen Tobert in particular. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I don't know if the offensive scheme helps that guy play or not. Uh, who knows? Uh, sometimes guys just can't play. But – you know, I think he wants a system that gives him the best chance to play. Uh, maybe a system that schemes guys open, and maybe that's what he's talking about. But, uh, you know, in general, I think they draft well. But I think, uh, you know, it's it's him grasping his straws for why they didn't win. Yeah, it, it, it kind of sounded like that. And, and, you know, here's another thing where, and, and I titled this cut, Contradicting Single Player Impact. And it, it's interesting because this kind of goes back to his idea of what will they do anything in free agency and, and that type of thing, it sounds like. So here's what he had to say. I want to tell you, don't dismiss us doing something special with the right veteran free agent. Any place. Uh, I would in a New York minute if I think that it fits a lot of what I'm sitting here talking about. If it fits more than uh, a short-term short-term uh, situation for us. Uh, but uh, we saw last year that you could take really the, the mustard out of our, our team in losing Dak for those first six, seven ball games or those uh, from the second to sixth game or seventh game. You saw what that could have done to you had you had a good plan in place, but then you saw some things you couldn't have expected saw Rush step up there and get it done. That buoyed me to never think that a single player, no matter who he is, in our case it was Dak, could basically keep you from putting yourself in position to win a Super Bowl. So he, he starts out by saying, don't rule us out of making, you know, that big name. You know, if there's a guy that impact player in free agency, then he finishes it by saying, but, you know, I will never believe one player can change those things. What? Well, which is it? I know. I, <laughs> like literally in one answer, he told you one thing and then wrapped it up by completely just like contradicting what he originally started with. Well, he does that from time to time. And like, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't think you'd want to go every year and give Cooper Rush five starts and see if he goes four and one. I think that was kind of a, uh, an anomaly. And, uh, and that's cool. That's okay. There's no problem with that. But I don't think you can bet on that every year. Most years, if you lose your starting quarterback, your season's over. Yes, that's exactly right. So we will go from that one into a couple of other cuts before we get into it. He had a lot to say about Dak and, and that type of thing. But this is one on the idea, you know, because we heard Mike McCarthy talk about this. And we played some cuts from Mike McCarthy at the Combine last week of talking about the run game and the impact of the run game and all that. Well, it's interesting to hear Jerry's thought on the idea of, of do they need to be running more? I don't know that uh, the numbers 
I was disappointed in our yards per carry, but that has also to do with uh, uh, how wide open your passing game has made it for you. As we know, we're going to hear that word complimentary. I'm not as big into um, trying to make an adjustment in the percentage of run ratio. I'm not that. I want to be able, when we've got that lead, especially if we should happen to have in this league a, a two-touchdown-up lead, I do want to be able to really uh, make it an almost accident if you got three or four tries at it to not get a, move those chains. See, now the end of that makes sense that you want a run game that you can rely on at the end, but you got to have the lead. And it's almost like he's talking about, well, you know, you need to do some more things in the passing game. It made sense what he said. It just seemed to me like it wasn't exactly on par with what kind of Mike McCarthy had been saying last week. Well, I think he's talking about specific games. You know, I think he's talking about Jacksonville, Green Bay, and how we blew fourth quarter leads that prevented us from going 14-3 and three and having home field throughout. Uh, whereas I think McCarthy is talking about in general, philosophically, here's what we'd like to do. That makes sense. That makes sense. And he had a lot to say again about Dak, but I got one more clip because he addressed, and, and, and this is an interesting answer on the Odell Beckham Jr. idea. Again, the, the right veteran free agent. Well, Odell Beckham Jr. is a free agent that can be signed at any time. They could sign him right now if they wanted to. Here's how he responded to the question about Odell Beckham Jr. I have not communicated uh, directly. I haven't talked to him directly, but indirectly two or three times. But I did have a very impressive visit, the most impressive at all, uh, with the most important one in this whole proposition. That's his mother. And we had a great visit uh, there at the Honors. You can see where he gets a lot of the Thing. I really uh, felt like I got to know him. Okay. We had a lot, a lot of lengthy talk, and certainly he's somebody that I have the same kind of uh, interest that I had in during the season. So there you have it. They still have interest. I, it's interesting. He's sounds like he's kind of hung out with his mom and, and loves his mom, and maybe that's the door open to get <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. here. I, I don't know. Well, even if you get him here, I'm not sure what kind of difference maker he, he is. You know, right. it's been a minute about five seasons since he's been that guy. And so, you know, you got to always keep it in perspective when you add a dude like that, man, because he's not adding Odell Beckham from eight years ago. You're adding a guy um, that you see today, not the name on the back of the jersey. And I've told you all many times that that's really what you got to be careful about. And so I don't even know. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. seems to me to be a complimentary guy these days and uh, you know not a guy that you built your, build your team around in any way shape or form yeah I, it's okay could he come in here and be a number two maybe but it is at this point in his career is he even better off as a number three and it, it it almost feels to me like they kind of are wondering is Gallup the number two they thought he would be or is Michael Gallup actually a number three like he kind of was when Amari Cooper was still hanging around well, you didn't pay him like a number three, so he no, needs to be a it, number two. Well, see, and that's the problem. Is he actually a number two? <laughs> that's a big problem. It is. It is. And so, one you got to figure out, like, you don't mind paying him, but you can't be paying the wrong guys. And that's where you kind of wonder, okay, coming off the injury, if if it doesn't happen pretty early on this year where he shows some of those things that he has shown at points in his career, then maybe you did pay a guy that you didn't need to pay. I, we'll see how it plays out, but – 
The next few cuts are all about his thoughts on Dak and Mike McCarthy and Dak. And, and here he is talking about Mike McCarthy and Dak and what needs to change with the dynamic there with Dak and McCarthy. The natural thing to do to look at uh, how to give more to what Dak can be was to call on what Mike can bring to the table and uh, the way he is addressing it. I know he's spoken with you. Uh, but what he's doing and the areas of our blocking schemes and what we're doing uh, uh, in our pass protections, pass protections. We hear about the running and we hear about how we emphasize running, but we don't. We, we weren't exactly uh, up to where we need or think we need to be. Well, as it turns out, where we could really uh, improve is pass protection. See, I thought that was really interesting that he kept harping on that and that pass protection was such a big problem. Well, I was trying to think about it, like, and maybe he means not necessarily sacks because they right. didn't give up a ton of sacks, but the fact that you gave up pressures that forced Dak to get off his spot and uh, and create some of the interceptions because, you know, pressure creates mm -hmm. as many interceptions as anything. And so maybe it was the pressure that bothered him, uh, and, and that's why uh, he harped on that. And, you know, I was trying to think about it, you know, Tyler Smith, much better run blocker than pads blocker. Mm -hmm. uh, you can certainly say that about uh, Terrence Steele, who played most of the, you know, first 10, 11 games. Uh, you know, I was trying to think Connor Smith, he's still probably better run than pass. Then Biotis is probably better run than pass. And so that might be a problem that they're, that they're good run blockers, but they're not as nearly as accomplished pass blockers. And it did lead to some issues. Yeah, and, and apparently that is a problem that they want to have addressed. And, you know, it's interesting because it, it's it, it's almost as if they feel like either Kellen wasn't what they thought he once was as far as the boy wonder. It got stale, something. But it, we've now heard from McCarthy. We've heard from Stephen Jones. We're hearing from Jerry Jones. And, and they all kind of backhand compliment the guy. Like in a weird way where they won't say his name, but then they say, well, there, there were these. And Jerry's a little bit more on point about it, more directly about certain things than I think Stephen or Mike McCarthy would be. And you would imagine, you know, Jerry's the the, the owner owner. Like he doesn't give a crap what Kellen Moore thinks. But it, it's interesting. And there's some of those things. And we'll get into that here in a little bit. But actually, I'll go ahead and I'll throw this one out here right now. And it kind of goes to what I'm talking about, about we talk about Dak needs help. So we have all thrown out our ideas of how do we help Dak? Well, here's Jerry Jones addressing the question of how do, how do the Dallas Cowboys help Dak? When Dak first got here, we had one of the best offensive lines that, in my mind that had been put on the field in a long time. And he had that. And so we had skill around him, especially offensively. Well, when you do what you do today and you invest in a quarterback the way you do with these premium quarterbacks that is diminished that's automatically has to be diminished uh, it'll be hard to get to a supporting cast the way he did when he started his career I think we can put things in place that will help I think the design of what we put in place will reduce risk for him on turning the ball over. So again, he wants us all to believe that the that oh they they can't spend up to the salary cap and they got to have twenty million dollars in cap space every year like they did last season, so they can't put pieces <laughs> around them. 
And then the other thing is, and that's why it sounded to me like he continues to take these, these without saying his name. I mean, what we can do is it's the design. Like it was the design of the offense and the pass protection, you know, that, that Mike McCarthy will be able to fix and that will help Dak to be a better quarterback with the, with, because we can't really spin anything else. I mean, the, the players are the players and it's the design was the problem. No, I see that, you know, coaches and uh, ownership does that, you know, oftentimes because, again, you're looking for a reason for, for to name your scapegoat, bro. And so, yeah, Kevin Moore is fine. His design was kind of off, and that's what led to the philosophical differences. That's why he's no longer here. Because you always got to have a reason for why you make the move that you made. That you made. And in this case, you know, hell, design sounds as good as anything, bro. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It does. And so... I mean, there is some truth to that. I can see them trying to design some things to get Dak in a rhythm earlier, the pass protection, obviously, but let's not kid ourselves. And he knows that. They're not dumb. They've brought up wide receivers. Steven brought up wide receiver. They're obviously, they were in on Odell. Jerry admits that. I mean, come on. They realize they need help with some weapons for Dak. But as far as Dak goes, just at the quarterback position and the future of Dak, for those of you wondering if maybe in a couple of years they'll just let Dak walk away, well, uh, here's what Jerry has to say about his quarterback. It is not the the year of his career. I've really felt for a, quite a while that Dak has the ability. I don't want to dare do this to Dak or me or anybody. But I think just as Brady became, in my mind, better and better and more impactful on how they won, as he got into his career, I think Dak really has those qualities. I think he can get better. Now, availability, injury availability, is always the, the question and hurt us with Troy. And Dak's availability is something to think about. Candidly, what do you do about that? How do we know when uh, uh, we might not have him short of getting a real top backup quarterback? When I start seeing something on the field, on the field, when I see something on the field that would logically tell you, you need to start looking ahead, past that, I don't see that kind of thing happening in the next years. And I say years. As one of my ex-coaches said, coaches dream of what Dak is. To see the way that team follows him, don't touch that. That's a big part of really my talking about Dak is he's uh, got that great leadership quality. Uh, he has the physical skills to uh, do this at the level, win us a Super Bowl. Does he do it with some of the same nuances that several of these other quarterbacks do it? Uh, no, he doesn't. Uh, he's got some things that uh, uh, he can work on, be more effective, or let me put it like this. Dak is a born mistake eliminator. If I were going to pick somebody that I'd say, now go out there and correct your mistakes, improve or do that, I'd rather start with him as raw material than anybody I've been around that position. So a lot that he said, and that was a couple of minutes of his answer there, but you go everywhere from he, he's going to be here years doesn't see any reason that there needs to be a change. We, we've heard this, and I think you agree. And every, it, it's the intangibles, the leadership it can never be questioned with Dak. I mean, he is elite as a leader of men and the intangibles. But I like how he said at the beginning, you know, I don't want to do this to Dak, but, you know, he can be like Tom Brady and, and 
Yeah, I, I get that. Like, he can be better. But again, Tom Brady won three Super Bowls by the time he was five seasons into the league. A little different. I would say so. I think <laughs> that, um, you know, and I, I'm thinking about it, man. It's the thing about Dak is I think in a lot of ways he's underappreciated. I mean, I don't think that's breaking news. But I always say this, dog. He's the kind of cat who, when he's gone, you'll miss him. And if you think you don't, then you think about Cooper Rush. Yeah, you missed him when Cooper Rush was in there. And so, really, man, unless you replace him with another starter of equal talent once you get rid of him, you're always going to have this debate. But I think he's an underappreciated player, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does this year because I think this will be a big bounce-back year for him. I don't think he'll look anything like the dude we saw last year throwing picks every week, regardless of whose fault it was. Yeah, and that's kind of what Jerry was saying there at the end, you know, his ability to eliminate the mistakes and go in there and be like, okay, why am I throwing so many picks? This is unacceptable to come back out and and not do that again. And he had mentioned that one of the answers we played about is that his, you know, you can have career years in two ways. You can have a career best year and you can have a career worst year. And somewhere in the middle of both of those seasons is really where you're at. It's, it's almost like the Olympics or whatever it used to be. Like, throw out the highest score, throw out the lowest score. The rest of the scores are what you are. Yeah. And so and, uh, I think that the point being, have we seen his best season? We don't know. Maybe we have. Did we see his worst season? You better hope it was last year. <laughs> yeah. I would think so, and I would hope so, and I would uh... – uh, because it, it, you know, the thing I said about it all year is it went out of character, the interceptions. Now, you know, he has a certain skill set. He works within that skill set. But it's the interceptions, man, that uh, they were like, whoa, we haven't seen this. Yeah, exactly. And that's where you raise your eyebrows and, and goes back. Whether you believe Jerry or not, that's what they are talking about as far as all of that goes. And the final question, and, and Chill asked him this, and we have Clarence Hill on the podcast here later on, on this episode, I'll ask him if, if he knew what Jerry was saying here, because Chill flat out asked him, you know, what's your sense of urgency? You talk about it every year. What is it? 80 years old. It's been so many years since you've won. Here's Jerry's answer, and maybe you can make some sense of how he responded to his sense of urgency. Our football team is a real deal. This is, this is, with excuse me for being, this is real money. This has to have real resources, and you better plan ahead or you will not have the money in the cap that we're in, and then it is actually okay. Uh, we really did turn the ball over. We really did uh, not uh, do those things that uh, resulted in us having, a. I thought, a hell of a team. And I sure thought one that had a chance to uh, get there. Really did last year. And I thought we had the quarterback to do it. I did the year before too. I think so this year. But it's not it's not a make believe feeling. And so that that was like what I pulled out because he he went that was like within a five to six minute answer. And that was like the most clear cut stuff I could find from him of look, we didn't get it done. They thought they could, but it it's rinse and repeat, right? Don't we hear that every single off season when they don't get all the way done? No, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, that's why we talk about it. At some point, something has to change. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm probably, in my opinion, more of a realist than most people. Meaning, I know what, I mean, 
Meaning I don't get caught up in the emotion of being in Dallas and looking at the team that we see every week. Um, I, I do it with the Buckeyes too, my team. Like, I know what championship looks like, dog. And they, they didn't look championship to me at the end of the year because they were struggling against bad teams. Even though they won, mm. they weren't going out there blowing them out the way, you know, a championship team hits that stride at the end of the season and starts doing that. Um, so they're a good team, a really good team. But, you know, I think none of us thought they were going to beat San Francisco. I mean, a few of them may have picked them to win, but it wasn't like, oh, yeah, yeah, they can go out there, they can do this and do that. I mean, there was still a lot of, I don't know, man, they got a lot of holes. They got not, you know, to get to the elite level where you're playing against the best and you're competing at the highest level against the best, they just didn't strike me as that team last year. Yeah, and... It, it's it's one of those things every year when Jerry speaks and it, it feels like it used to be different like back when you were probably a part of it when he would it was like a handful of reporters and and not a lot got out and you could really find out some secret stuff it felt like and now he does it when they go on the combine bus I mean there's a video of the whole conversation I think there's still you know there's like 10 people or more that are in there now it just seems like it's it's not what it once was with Jerry in that bus trip uh, well, I mean, you have more everyday media than usual. It used to be like four or five people. Yeah, yeah. Now it's probably more like 10 people. And so it's just, you know, I mean, it's the nature of the beast, man, in the world that we live in. Um, more and more gets out. And so, no, nothing's like it used to be. No, it never Sadly. is. Much like Old the Cowboys championship hopes. Wow. Am I wrong? I mean. No, no, not at all. So we'll we'll see. Maybe Maybe this is the year, right? But. We'll follow along. I mean, the thing of it is, next time we do a podcast coming up next week, I mean, keep in mind, free agency starts next week. And how excited are you guys to watch all the other teams sign big-name free agents while the Cowboys hunt in the bargain bin again? I will will faint. I will actually, you want to know what will make me faint? Not the Daniel Jones contract, because we'll get into that in a second. But what would make me faint is if the Cowboys actually signed a free agent of note on day one of free agency. Yeah, that would make you faint. No, no cap. I would be, be blown right away. I'd be right behind you. And I'll, and I'll, <laughs> exactly, because it's just that that would be more stunning to me than any of the quarterback contracts that have been signed. And that's the funny thing, because you bring up the Daniel Jones thing, and everybody's like, "Oh my God, I can't believe Daniel Jones got forty million dollars." Jacques and I have been telling you guys this for what five years now. Pretty much. When you want to go on the hunt for a a starting quarterback that you believe in, that's what it costs you. That's why, yeah, like, when everybody's want. freaking out about Dak, that, that's, that's what it costs you. Yeah, bro, that's just what it is, man. It ain't no surprise. It's just what it is. I mean, you either go with the guy that you feel like you know that's still relatively young in Daniel Jones, and it's $40 million, or you go out on the free agent market, and you find a guy that another team didn't want who's already been in the, in the league for a decade and spend $37.5 million like the Saints did on Derek Carr. Like, to me, I don't know, bro. I just, okay, follow me here. I I wouldn't have wanted to, but I'd have spent forty million on on Daniel Jones, than thirty seven and a half million on Derek Carr, because Derek Carr is who he is. Yep, he's not going to take you anywhere. He's he's a good quarterback, but he is who he is. I'd have spent more money on Daniel Jones because he just had his best season. You just got a new coach. He's a younger player, and so he still got upside. So I can still dream the dream with him. He's still got plenty of upside. 
uh, your boy, you know, Carr, man, he is, he's just who he is. Pretty much. That's exactly right. And, and he's had enough time and he's done it with, I mean, they have had multiple weapons with the Raiders that they've gone out. They went out and got Devontae Adams for the dude last year. Not like man, the Giants are trying to do much too. for Daniel Jones. No, not yet. Now they'll say we don't have any cap. We don't have any money under the cap to do anything. Yeah, I mean it's it's all that type of thing. You know, the Seahawks given that massive contract to Geno Smith, which, you know, of the contracts that were signed, that was honestly probably the one that surprised me the most. Now it, it's it's basically if they want it to be, it can be a one year deal, most likely a two year deal, which kind of bridges the gap for them. But the fact they had the fifth overall pick in the draft, I thought was interesting, which means they don't they don't want to trade up. And they don't think that they'll be able to get a guy they want at five. So why not stick with Geno Smith? Or what if they, I don't know. I don't know if they have the balls to do it, but what if they uh, take their quarterback at five and say, hey, we signed Geno so that you can actually, Anthony Richardson, sit there and learn for a couple of years before we yep. unleash you. See, and that makes sense to me too. Maybe it is Anthony Richardson. And I, 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 I could totally I buy into that. I don't know now if he'll be there at five. Yeah, now, I mean, geez, this... But the point, this whole quarterback market thing is so wild when you look at where Dak is. I mean, and I can tell you guys, y'all need to be ready for this. If Daniel Jones is signing for $40 million in 2023, where do you think Dak Prescott's next contract goes? Well, let's see how he plays. Right. But $40 million is where this thing, that's the neighborhood for a starting, a decent starting quarterback in the NFL. You are looking at $37.5 million. That's what Derek Carr is. You know, Lamar Jackson franchise tagged at 32-4. That whole situation with Lamar Jackson is amazing. And he, he ought to send a note to his buddy, Deshaun. I don't know if they're buddies, to his quarterback buddy, I should say, his colleague, Deshaun Watson, okay. and go, thanks for screwing this up for me. Because <laughs> it really does seem like the NFL owners, are they want to send a, a message loud and clear that Cleveland screwed up. We don't do 100% fully guaranteed contracts. Yeah, it does appear that it does appear that, that that's the uh, that's the hill that they're going to die on. They're like, we're we're just not going to do it, and uh, everybody's in agreement we're not going to do it, so we'll just collude and not do it. I mean, I really think that's what they're doing because there there were some reports that came out when the when the Browns gave Deshaun Watson that contract that owners elsewhere were pissed because they knew that would establish the precedent. And you look at a guy in Deshaun Watson making forty six million dollars a year on a whatever it is two hundred and thirty million dollar contract that's fully guaranteed. Well, now Lamar wow. Jackson, Lamar Jackson comes around and goes, hey, I've won an MVP. I've taken my team to the playoffs in four out of my five years. I've won a playoff game. I would like a 45 to $50 million contract fully guaranteed. And the owner's going, nope. Because, I mean, how bizarre is this? When you know the Ravens are going to tag him, that you can have a dude, he is 26 years old. He's won an NFL MVP. He's got a crazy winning record. He, he literally has taken the Ravens to the playoffs in four out of his five years. You can have that player for two first-round draft picks and then whatever contract, and not a single team is coming after him. Yeah, that's kind of weird to me. Uh, maybe some people working behind the scenes. You know, you got some other people out there saying, well, nobody's going to do that because they don't want to piss their current quarterback off if they don't get him. And my, my point would be if you want him, you can get him because, and we've seen this before, if you want him, you can set the contract up so that you basically got like a poison pill in sure. there where the other team can't match it. Although, all that being said, I read something interesting from Adam Schefter uh, today, yesterday. 
that basically said there's only been one one player with this tag put on him in the last 30 years who's changed teams, and that's Sean Gilbert. So it doesn't happen often, rarely, if ever. Yeah, and that was like 30 years ago. I know, man, but I, I just look at this and I go, this dude, again, and he's, so for those of you to understand, it's the non-exclusive tag. He's free to negotiate with any other team other than the Miami Dolphins because the Dolphins don't have a first-round draft pick this year, so he can't negotiate with them until after the draft. Outside of that, he can negotiate with any team in the NFL. There are teams who are going to spend one first-round draft pick on a quarterback we know in the draft whether it's the Colts, the Texans, the Panthers, the Seahawks, the Raiders. To me, if I, if I knew I've got five years of a sample size, this is a proven dude who's won an MVP, who's four seasons, four full years away before he turns 30. So instead of using one draft pick on a quarterback, I don't know if he's going to turn out or not. I'll use a draft pick right. and then add an additional one. So really, to me, I'm only giving up one draft pick to get this yep. dude. Now, I also got to pay him. But, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'll go pay him. What's the big deal? I mean, if I'm the Raiders or the Panthers or some team like that, I don't know why I'm not all over this, especially knowing that if you're one of those two teams and you want to get one of the what many people believe are the, are the two, three best quarterbacks in this draft, you probably got to trade up, which is going to cost you a first-round pick anyway. And then you hope that the dude can play. Right. And, and you've got a dude who can play who's 26. It's, it's, this thing with Lamar Jackson is, is bizarre to me. Nah, I'm with you, Doc. It's something doesn't smell right, but we won't know what it is. I wish like hell he changed teams. I wish somebody would be like, oh, he's too good for me to pass up. I'm going to go take him. Yeah, you know, somebody like when the Rams traded for Matthew Stafford and gave up a couple of firsts. Yeah, you I'd know, love for that. And happen. then re-signed him and gave him $40 million a year. Somebody like that to come along and go, holy crap, we can get Lamar Jackson for two firsts and, hey, man, we'll give you 40 whatever million dollars a year. Come on. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, it's... When I saw the, like, it, it, it blew, I thought what was going to happen was, you know, smart for the Ravens because he doesn't have an agent and it's hard, they can't figure out what, what, who, what, how much he's going to make. So what's going to happen is some team will come along and negotiate with him and, and he'll be like, hey, man, this team over here is going to do me for, for this contract. And the Ravens go, cool, we'll match. And the fact that no other team is coming around to do that is just blowing, it blows my mind. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you don't, you can set it up so they can't match. It's just yeah. Where, where if you want the guy, you can get him. But the Ravens, of course, they have the option to match if they want to. Right. No, they definitely had that option. But we all know you can set up a contract where you pay him fifty four million this year, and they their cap wouldn't allow them to match it. And so you know, but uh, it's all about what everybody wants to do and get done. Yeah, that's how it works, man. And you know, there's so much to get to because we haven't done a podcast in a couple of days. So some of this we'll save for our next one. But I did want to throw this out before we get to chill. The, the Tony Pollard tag, because we haven't talked about that. And he was tagged, obviously, the deadline a couple of days ago. He's going to play. It's a 100% fully guaranteed. It, it's, it's what it is. You can't do anything about it unless they come to an agreement on a different type of contract. But that's what it is. So Tony Pollard right now, will be the ninth highest paid running back in the NFL at $10,091,000. Also along with Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs, who also got the franchise tag. And I, there's two things here. The first one is, if you've seen the guys tweeting out, and th this is just like, what are we doing here? 
the Cowboys have the most money uh, against the cap paying running backs of any team ever in the NFL and blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, because Zeke is 15 million of it or whatever, or 16 something. They're not, that's, Zeke's not going to be on the team at that number and probably not on the team at all. True. But you know, a lot of those people are just clicking for today, man. They're not, they're not, uh, you know, they'll click again when it changes. Uh, but yeah, if you know what's going on and you know how they're going to work it, then yeah, you know that uh, Zeke Elliott's certainly not going to be on the books for $16 million in cap hit. And uh, I don't, as much as I like him, I don't think he's going to be on the books at all. Yeah, it's hard to imagine that he's going to be. Most likely what will happen is, and this will save the Cowboys yeah, about $5 million-ish, a, a shade under $5 million on the cap this year. They're going to cut him. They'll eat his dead cap, which is 11.86. They'll spread that out over two years and move on, and that'll be it for the Zeke era. The thing with Tony Pollard is $10 million for Tony Pollard. I, I don't think at this point you want to do this guy on a long-term contract. And, and I mean long-term, like four. I don't even want him for four years, I don't think. And that's the dirty part of the game, man. Uh, it's, uh, and I say it's the dirty part of the game because he's a fourth-round pick. He never got big money. You know, he never got, you know, 14 15 16 million dollars signing bonus any of that right and so you know i'm not gonna feel sorry for somebody making 10 million dollars a year but what you always want is to be able to maximize your income and earn what you deserve and he's not even going by the time he gets to the open market next year he's gonna be 27 years old 28 years old and people will be like this is this is the time when running backs die so we're not going to give you anything and so it's just kind of screwed up that uh, he's never really going to get an opportunity to max his potential and make as much money as he as he possibly can. Yeah, and and you know that's where I think it's going to be interesting because you're exactly right. Now, if you if you were going to do it now, man, see, I, I I still I don't even know because yes, technically he's 25, but we need to talk to him about him like he's 26 because he turns 26 April 30th, so he's 26. You get the year 26 season, the year 27 season. As we all know, there's there's different phases of running back. You get those that show up in the league, hit it big, they go to the Pro Bowl, they're awesome at fantasy. Once they hit 27, they're done. You get those that somehow are able to extend it to 30, like a Derrick Henry type guy. And then you get those that get past 30 that can still do it, and you start talking Hall of Famers. Yeah, unless, you know, Tony Pollard has never even had more than, you know, 210 carries. So he's always been a guy who split time or, you know, even next year. Nobody expects him to get, you know, 270 carries. Right. He's still going to be around the same number. So uh, there's a chance he can he can play longer just because he's a niche guy, even though he's a very explosive guy. But uh, his value is his explosiveness. You know, um, I've said this before. Uh, I updated it, though. Of the guys who scored double-digit touchdowns last year, running backs, he led the league in touchdown average with 33 yards of touchdown, bro. Yeah. Next highest, Nick Chubb at 15. Man. Put, I mean, think about that, though. Hey, Devontae Adams scored 14 touchdowns. He's a wide receiver who averaged 30 yards of touchdown. Tony Pollard beat him on that. This from a running back. He acts like a high school or a college running back the way he scores. That's a rare skill. That's not a skill that you let get on the market. Yeah, and, and that's where this is going to be really interesting because I maybe they the problem is, do you want to pay that guy? Do you want to pay a guy? Last year, Tony Pollard set a career high with 232 touches. Do you want to pay a guy who touches the ball 232 times $10 million a year? 
Oh, I do for him. But see, I'm not paying a guy who touches 232 times a year that I'm paying a guy who scores long distance touchdowns that because that's a rare feat in the NFL. See, because okay. if he didn't score the touchdowns, then I'd have a different opinion of it. But he's consistently scored the touchdowns throughout his entire career from long distance. And that means he's a special kind of dude. Then maybe you do some sort of a contract with him where if, if you wanted him, you, he doesn't have to play on the franchise tag this year. If you didn't want to, you can negotiate. You do a three-year deal that gets him through his age 28 season that averages out like $10 million a year. And you can front load it in the first two years and make it easy to walk away from year three if he fades off or something. Yeah. But you know it's gotta it's gotta it's gotta fit everybody. No, true. He's got to agree to. Tony, it. I was gonna say Tony's like I'm just not gonna sign some bullshit deal because you stuck it in front of me. You yeah, know? and that's that's the thing when you look at it. If he sees himself in that realm of running back, you know, does he think he can go out there and get the 16 million dollar a year Alvin Kamara type deal of a guy who's kind of similar to what he does or the you know, whatever McCaffrey's on, which I think is like 12 plus million dollars a year where he looks at it and says, that's what I want it is in, in the Cowboys go, well, good luck in free agency. Yeah. I mean, there's a happy medium somewhere, but I don't know where it is. Yeah, I don't know where it is either, man. And, and that's that's why Steven and Jerry own the team. They'll have to figure out where that happy medium is. Yeah, but I'd rather have him than not have him. So. Uh, because, you know, especially on this particular team, he gives you something that you don't have, which is explosiveness. And you just don't have it. You know, CeeDee Lamb's the other, only other guy close. Yeah, and that's why heading into the draft, to me, you've got to get the guy that you think is the most explosive big-time playmaker on offense that you can get. Yes, sir. Which is why I, I keep seeing, like, all these mock drafts that have the Cowboys drafting a tight end in the first round. I'm like, you get No. No. Like, I, I don't want that, dude. I want your speed wide receiver or, and we've seen them. They've traded up in the draft before. I mean, I, I wonder if the, the big splash type thing that Jerry has been talking about might be making a move in the draft. If they've got 18 dudes rated in the first round and one of those guys falls closer to 20, if, if they make a move to jump up a few spots to grab, who, in their mind, who would be one of those guys with a true first round grade on them? Yeah, yeah I can see that happening. But he's also got to fit the right spot because, you know, CeeDee Lamb's really more of a slot guy than an outside right. guy, even though he plays outside. So you got to get an outside receiver so that he can really do his thing in, in the slot. Um, you know, B. John Robinson is interesting. I don't think he'll last till 26. There's no way. Inter he's interesting because, you know, how much does – yes, he's a he's a terrific player, but what, what does he help you with? Him and uh, do you want that kind of two-headed tandem or is it replication? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because they're not going to play at the same time in most cases. So I don't know if you get your bang if you get Bijan. Um, now, maybe you get your bang in a year when Tony Pollard's gone because you don't need to re-sign him. But for the year that they're together, I don't know if it helps you get to the Super Bowl. And that's what everything's got to be about. Well, I, I don't think he's going to be there. And as a matter of fact, I, I almost think that the horror of horrors is going to happen and that the Philadelphia Eagles will drop them with the 10th overall pick. And we'll be watching Bijan torch our defense for the next five years. <laughs> I don't know about that. I've seen a lot of stuff that said Horry, Howard Roseman Rossman doesn't really get down with running backs like that. I hope not, man, because I don't want him to go there. I, I But I just there's there's too many teams that could use a guy – 
because Bijan is not only his he an elite level runner and does everything well, he blocks well, he also can pass catch very well. So, you know, you can use him in a lot of different ways. But it, it, we'll see. It'll be curious. All right, before we jump in with Clarence Hill, let's tell you about our friends over there. And you talk about friends. You were hanging out with these guys the other day. Smokey John's Barbecue over there off Mockingbird with the Jam Session Bowl that so many of you have had an opportunity to have. But you were doing a podcast or something with those guys the other day. Yeah, man. They invited um, me out to the Pretty Funny uh, podcast. That's what it's called, the Pretty Funny Podcast. Because nice. one of them says he's pretty and one of them says he's funny. So they called it the <laughs> funny. Pretty Funny Con- I like Podcast. That. Uh, dude, it, we had a great time, man. I mean, I think we talked for an hour, and that thing flew by. Yeah, uh, they got a bunch of good projects coming up, and then they hit me to some other stuff that they got going, and uh, you know, gave me some some ideas on some stuff that the uh, JJT Media Group needs to get cracking on uh, ASAP. So it was a great uh, it was a great outing, uh, great trip, and uh, the, my only complaint was, and I told this to their face, y'all ain't bring me no food, though. No food? You didn't get a jam session bowl? That's what I said. Man. And they were like, well, you know, you're on your workout regimen. We're not sure what you... I said, whatever, Doc. I mean, come on. I said, in my mind, I'm going to be a fat guy forever. Yeah. I'm phys- physically, I'm not going to look like one. But in my mind, I'm going to be a fat guy forever. So, when in doubt, show up with the food, bro. Yeah, you got to have the food. You got to have Smokey yeah. John's. And you got to have the jam session bowl. Yeah, great, man. Jam session bowl, if you haven't tried it. Shame on you. Shit's been out for a year now, maybe a year and a half. Yeah, go get Get one. your butt over there to Smokey John's and ask for the jam such bowl. It's on secret menu now. And what it is, it's a mac and cheese base or a mashed potato base. Each of them are phenomenal. If you're feeling funky, ask for one of each. I'm just saying. Your choice of two out of five smoked meats. And then they put the same stuff you find on a loaded baked potato, bro. No, for real. Bacon bits, chives, butter. Mm sour cream you know all that stuff bro they drizzle it with the sauce and voila there you have the jam session bowl it's enough for two no cap if you got a youngster like six or seven seven's probably the max five or six or seven yeah the three y'all no cap can eat off of it it's that much food do it Smokey John's right there off of Mockingbird near downtown Dallas or check them out online at smokyjohns.com also, a podcast made possible by Aaron and his guys over there at HFX Foundation Solutions. You got foundation problems. You're like, well, I don't know. Do I? Well, I don't know either. That's why they do a free, no obligation inspection. So what you do, it, it's, it's like the concussion that I have. You look at the signs. <laughs> you go, okay, well, wow, I got, I got ringing in my ears and I, I got to close my eye, all this stuff. You know, it's the signs your house is showing you. Cracks in the walls, in the ceiling, sticking doors, soil washout, all that type of stuff that they handle with HFX Foundation Solutions. They can also help with your drainage problems on your property, gutter installations, because a lot of people don't have gutters, and you don't realize when you don't have gutters to drain the water off your house properly, that can screw up your foundation as well. So check out HFX Foundation Solutions. No, we recommend you get a colonoscopy for the crib Mm -hmm. every single solitary time, man. Just like you want your insides checked out looking great, Hey, you want your house's insides checked out and looking great. And the way to do it is to have Aaron and his team come over, check it out, and give you the once-over, man. It's easy to do. They're local. They service all of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So give them a call, 817-770-0174. 
or find them online at hfxfoundation.com. All right, it's been a while, so let's check in with Cowboys beat writer from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, Clarence Hill Jr. joining us. And Chill, I want to start off because I know that you were at the scouting combine last week and you got an opportunity. I, I watched the entire some. I'm one of the only people who watched the entire hour with Jerry and, and you were featured prominently <laughs> in that. And what kind of stood out to you with what Jerry had to say? I guess we'll start at the beginning of his conversation, kind of the failures of last year and the youth of this team. He seems to kind of still believe that they've got a lot of youth that is going to have to step up like they thought would have to last season, but it, it feels like that's kind of the belief again this year that they need these young guys to develop a little quicker. It's all over the map. I mean, Jerry's all over the map, you know, and, and, and you know, yeah, they need young guys to develop quicker. You know, they're blaming Dak Prescott's contract, you know, for why they haven't added to this roster. And all of this, I mean, it, 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 it's ridiculous. You know, um, I just, let's just start with Dak Prescott's contract. You know, you know they, they say they want to do a deal, Signed to a contract extension, you know, but they, you know, basically in the same breath, basically blaming Dak Prescott's contract why they are not able to add to the roster. He can't put, you know, he, he can't have his stronger talent around him as, as a rookie, you know, because of the contract. What have the Cowboys done? I mean, Dak Prescott, when he was a rookie, his cap figure his, was, was 0.3% of the cap. In 2017, it was 0.4% of the cap. In 2018, it was 0.4% of the cap. But in 2019, it was 0.11% of the cap or 1.1% of the cap. What did the Cowboys do to add to those teams in free agency when they had that at low numbers? Nothing. So you, if they didn't do anything to add to the roster when, when he wasn't making any money and they didn't do anything now that he's getting his money, what makes you think that they're going to ever do anything to free? They haven't signed a, a quality grade since Brandon Carr in 2012. At least starting with a quality phrase, a big money phrase is best. That's not what they do. But yes, they want to say that you need these young guys to step up, but you also need to supplement your draft and develop program with quality free agents. That's how it's done. What do you make of all of that? It, it, you know, again, like I, I, I say that the Cowboys went into the season with less talent, you know, and you know, than they had last year, you know, and and now. You know, there's talk, we're going to be players and we're going to do this. Well, show me. What have you done? I mean, you can, if you want to sign Odell Beckham, you could have signed him. You know, he's free. You don't have to wait till the start of free agency. He hasn't played in the year. He's not subject to the regular free agent rules. You can sign him now. Well, I mean, they talked to his mom. Jerry said he hung out with her for a while. Hey, at, at the end of the honors, but he hasn't talked to him. <laughs> no direct contact. I'm going to talk to his mom. Love his mom. What are we doing here, guys? Yeah, and you know the other thing I thought that was kind of wild about that conversation is it, I can't remember. I don't think it was you that asked him about about the differences and what the play calling would be. You know, we heard McCarthy talk about this and saying almost that there needs to be more of a focus on the run and some of the things with the run game. And then Jerry comes out and is like, "Oh, I don't think we need to be like that." You know, this is about pass protection, and it, it just seemed like they're the way they answered what the offense would be with McCarthy calling. It seemed like the way Jerry sees it is different than the way that McCarthy sees it. Well, I mean, I think it's it's it's, it's semantic. You know, certainly there's some philosophy differences, and just on on on. You know, people may have blew up the run thing, and the Cowboys ran the ball a lot this year. They, you know, and they've actually McCarthy they they've actually run the ball more over the last three years. They have been more balanced. You know, and you you saw the way they play. You know, when he talks about the run, he's talking about different calls in the run game, not doing as many outside zones with Zeke. I mean, Zeke should not be running outside zone. They have his philosophy on, on the run calls are going to be different, you know, and they will have different blocking schemes 
in this West Coast offense to help protect Dak and do different things uh, than they did under, you know, uh, in the Kelly Moore system. It was more like the Jason Garrett system, the Ernie Zampezi system. It goes all the way back. You know, they are going to do some different things philosophically. I don't know if you're going to see a greater percentage of running. It's just when you run and the type of runs you call uh, that, that, that they're going to do. Uh, and, and certainly I know one thing both of them talked about was, you know, being, you know, getting Dak to be less aggressive, you know, and, 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 and take the plays that are there and try, instead of trying to, you know, take chances down the field, which what they felt led to some decision-making interceptions. But, you know, the problem is when you get Jerry talking X's and O's in football, you know, you, you're going to get some cluster that, 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 that doesn't jive with what the coaches are, are really meaning. He's listening, but he's not always understanding. And, and, and so that's why when his coach Jerry, you know, you know, you you can get some things that don't jive with what the coach is saying. But I know the Cowboys. You know, I know Mike McCarthy is frustrated and upset that he's getting killed. You know, for seemingly throwing Kelly Moore under the bus. You know, and then because all the national pundits are killing him for you know the things he said about Kelly Moore, perceived to be said about Kelly Moore. He he did talk glowingly about Kelly Moore and what they did and the, and the success they had. He just has a different philosophy of how to do things. I think it was a perfect example of sometimes talking too much. You know, he was trying to be open and honest with us in a private session with the Cowboys media, and everything doesn't get translated. You know, some, some of the stuff got lost in translation. All everybody saw was, Kellen Moore throws too much. I want to run the ball. I think that's the best way to win. And there was a lot more that was said in between there. When you had a question and you asked him, I think it was the urgency that he has. When you talk about the urgency, I what the hell was he saying back to you? We are still trying to decipher what he was talking about. <laughs> you know, we, we we were listen. He went on a tangent and never came back because every year it's been I'm too old to have a bad time. I want to win now. You know, last year he was so angry after losing that home game. He, you know, he, he know, he let, let McCarthy hang in the wind, and then this year is like, there's where's the anger? Where's where's all of that? You know, and then he just says, now I have the same urgency every year, even if I had won last year, I had the same urgency to win. What? Yeah, that, that whole thing. I mean, I you try to I try to listen to that, and I went back. I was like, what in the world is he trying to say here? Because to me, like, he never actually addressed what you had asked him about the urgency. And he, no. You know, he just talked in a circle and tried to like smoke and mirrors everybody and be like, "Come by season ticket." <laughs> exactly. But but I don't know how he got how he's going to get people to sell season ticket because you haven't sold them. Why next year will be better than this past year? What's going to be different? Why will you win this year? Mm. What have you done differently other than, you know, he basically said that the biggest changes, you know, that they have made in the offseason was the change in the coaching staff. Was Mike McCarthy calling plays? That's the biggest move they're going to make this offseason to make this team better. Was we're going to run the West Coast offense under Mike McCarthy going to call plays, and that's going to get us over the hump. Now go buy season tickets. Yeah. Now we're going to add players. But the biggest move is Mike McCarthy and Jeff Blasco's running back coach. Woo wee! <laughs> Don't get you excited. I mean, it, 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 it's sad, you know. And and I, and I feel for Mike McCarthy to a certain extent. Here, never the guy coach gone twelve and five and twelve and five and feel like you're coaching for your job. You're coaching for your life. I mean, as Stephen Jones put it, 
you know, they've won as many games the past two years as anybody in the league except the Kansas City Chiefs. The difference is the Chiefs have won in the playoffs the Capitol Tampa. But, you know, you go 12 and 5 and 12 and 5 in back to back years. Your first year, you could say, was down because you lost Dak Prescott. And now you're in your fourth year and you feel like you're coaching for your job. Your job is on the line, which is why you have to make these moves. You're already offensive coordinator and say, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down my way because they didn't say it, but we all know it. Everybody understands it. If they don't win a playoff game in 2023, Mike McCarthy is gone. And Dan Quinn is the next head coach? I, I would assume as much. At some point, though, we're going to say that wasn't, wasn't some of this Dan Quinn. I'm one some of this on Dan Quinn. I mean, he's been there for the last two years, last two playoff failures. If they do it the third year, we, we, does he get clean? He escapes scot free. None of this is on him. Because every, every, I mean, you know how it go. Every year is about finding the scapegoat. This year, the scapegoat oh. was uh, was Kellen Moore. Next year, it'll be Mike McCarthy, and it won't be Dan Quinn's scapegoat for you know a couple years. Yeah. So it, yeah, it, it, but the, again, that's what it feels like. It feels like everything is on the line, and I don't know, you know, and, and, and I guess rightfully so because you know when you're with, with you know you coach the Cowboys, you know everything is is scrutinized, you know. But you know, you you do we give Mike McCarthy any credit for what he's done? In, in, in winning 12 games, you know, back-to-back years for the first time since the 90s, getting to the playoffs in back-to-back years for the first time since 06, 07, does that matter at all? Oh, I think uh, – I don't think he gets enough credit. I mean, people act like you just win 12 games and, and it's pretty easy, and we ain't seen it done here in a minute. I think he's uh, – I think he's been really good at, at creating an atmosphere and a tone for success. They've had some good players, and so, but now he gets to impact more of his will on the game because he don't have to, uh, you know, he don't have to use Kellen. He can, he can be completely and totally responsible for everything that goes on. Oh, he's, he's totally wrong. He's excited. He's like a kid in the candy store, dreaming about calling plays and doing it his way. And you're just talking to Dak the other day. You know, he 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 said losing Kellen sucks, but he's excited about what they're gonna do with Mike McCarthy. But you know, Dak's always gonna say the right things publicly. You know, and 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 we'll see. You know, because. This affects him. I know Mike McCarthy. The Cowboys said they want to give him a new contract extension. If they don't do it before next season and things go awry, you know, how much is this going to get Dak dirty in, 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 in his future if they fail again? How much is this, this muddy his future? Yeah, I, I kind of wondered that too. I mean, you, you listen to Stephen and Jerry talk, and this is—I mean, Jerry was like years. You know, this this guy's going to be here for years. I mean, he could do another decade. But then you do have to kind of wonder that. I mean, you don't see a lot of quarterbacks who are this deep into their careers that all of a sudden start leading teams into the Super Bowl. We already, I mean, we've been talking about this, the Daniel Jones contract, the Geno Smith contract, the Derek Carr contract. Dak at $40 million now seems like a bargain. His next extension, who knows how much that's going to cost. It's, I do wonder at what point do you have to look, if they don't get it done this year and you've got eight years in the league, do you start looking at, at Dak going, okay, this this dude is it's just not going to happen with this guy? Well, I mean, I mean, you say that, but I, I don't think – I think it was about seven years before Peyton Manning won. Right, it's happened. I mean, it, there's guys that have done it, but again, it, it's it's rare. You don't – it's – most guys are winning or at least getting a team to the Super Bowl in the first several years of their career. Yeah, I, I guess you know. Again, I, I think it's all different because most guys aren't getting there. <laughs> you know, that's 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 the other thing. And, and, and you know, you know, it, it's funny because it, it, somebody pointed out it, it seemed like Dak is the only quarterback that lost in the playoffs this year. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, you know, what I'm saying? like I mean, 
they're, they're, uh, the majority of quarterbacks that play in the NFL don't get to the Super Bowl. Some of them get to the Hall of Fame like Dan Fouts. No, guys. But majority of quarterbacks, they don't get to the Super Bowl. It's just, it's, it's not a given for everybody. You know, if, you know, and especially when you got guys like, you know, Patrick Mahomes, league, Josh Allen may never get there. Yeah. You know, some guys may never get there. It depends on, you know, who, who's playing at the same time. I mean, a lot of quarterbacks, you know, MC didn't get there because of Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. It dominated for so long. You know, so I, I don't know that we can put a referendum on, you know, he's seven years, he hasn't got a Super Bowl, he's never going to get there. I don't know. Just, you know, the, the field in the NFC is opening up, mm-hmm. especially if if um, Aaron Rodgers goes to the NFC. You know, I don't think you look at what Jalen Hurts got there, so he's a quarterback, get to the Super Bowl, and Dak can't. You know, I think it has a lot to do with the team around you. You know, and if it would have been Jalen Hurts, it would have been, you know, Brock Purdy. You know, I don't know if he's a blueprint of a quarterback that gets you to the Super Bowl. He just had a great team around him. So, I mean, I, I don't think that, that that same urgency of if he don't do it now, he'll never get you there. I mean, this NFC field is wide open as far as the quarterback position is concerned. Will they make a splash in free agency? And, and that's make the question. Tr- What's that splash to you? You know, because it's funny because we've been laughing. You know, us, you know, veteran reporters have been laughing at some of the reports about the Cowboys getting ready to make a splash. Is Odell Beckham a splash? <laughs> No, not I'm just asking. Exactly. You know, DeAndre Hopkins at 31, a splash. He's more of a splash because I think he can still play. Yeah. He can still play, but, you know, is that a splash? Because you only don't give up a uh, second round pick for him. You're not not trading no first or anything like that. He only only comes with a second round pick. So that's my dilemma with this splash thing. Do they need talent? Yes. Do they need offensive talent? Do they need to add to the offensive talent? I, you know, again, I've been banging this drum. The receivers have been awful this were awful this past year. They need receiver help. They're going to try to get receiver help in the draft or free agency. Does signing one of those guys represent a splash? I guess compared to what the Cowboys have done in the past, yes, but that's not splash to me. But they need so, juice. They need to add juice to this offense. Right, like like I look at DeAndre Hopkins. I go, that's nice. But you got to add something else. That can't be your only move. You still need to draft one or pick up another one somewhere. Uh, right. No, and I don't, then, I don't include Jalen Tobin in that. Yeah, and one thing that's often lack is we talk about Odell Beckham and we talk about, about DeAndre Hopkins, the thing that's often lacks most is speed. Yeah. They need speed to the receiving core. They have no speed in the receiving core. That's what they want. That's why they were looking at Brandon Cook. You know, they want speed. They need uh, somebody – to get some juice, you know, uh, to this offense. Yeah, and, and, you know, Jalen Tolbert was supposed to be a speed guy and, and couldn't even get on the field last year. And, you know, the same thing with Odell. People forget DeAndre Hopkins hasn't played a full season in two full – like, it's been since 2020. He's played 19 games the last two years and coming in at 31 years old. So Yeah, he's, he's still better than anybody on this roster. Oh, no doubt. I mean, I, I, I'd love to have him for the right price. And – I mean, this is there's a lot of receivers, I think, in the draft that'll be available for him at 26. But do you get any idea of what? Of what I have a hard time believing that Bijan Robinson's going to be there at 26. I, I don't know, like he's blowing everything away. I, I'd be stunned if he was there at 26. But if they stay at 26, do you have any like semblance of what they're thinking of what might be available that they want to the direction they want to go in there in the draft? I mean, I think I think they're all over the place as they should be because you're only. You're only at 26. You're kind of beholden to what's on the board and what people take in front of you, you know. And and you know, I listen. Bijan Robinson would would be a godsend for the Cowboys and and at 26. And for all these 
dumbasses who you can't take a running back in the first round. It's just, it's just ridiculous. You know, you're talking about a difference-making talent that can help you win now. I'm not worried about 10 years. I'm worried about the next five years when you got Dak and those guys in their prime and you have a chance to win now and add to this offense. Uh, that's what you need. Certainly, I think they're going to take a running back at some point, you know, first, second, third round. You know, they're, they're, they're you know, with Robinson, Gibbs, somebody that's going to help this team. Uh, they, they, they need that. But cornerback, tight end, receiver, offensive line, those are the positions the Cowboys interviewed the most at the combine. Look like those are the positions, you know, that, that going to be in play for the Cowboys at 26. But it's going to be the best player, as they should, who can help this team right now. It's, uh, that sounds like you think Zeke is, like, gone. Oh, I, I just don't see a path to bring Zeke back. I said that because, you know, I, I the, owner know tried to make us, the owner tried to make us think he was coming back. Now, I don't believe that, but, you know. Well, you know, the owner, is, he's, you know, he he's, doesn't have to say and, and doesn't need to say right now, but I just don't see financially a path you can make him, you, you can return him, especially when you, you gave Tony the, the – the ten point one million dollar franchise tag, you know, he's gonna be your starter. Zeke is gonna have to take a lesser role, uh, if, if he comes back and, and and what do you pay for that? You know, and I don't know what number's palatable for both sides to, to, to make it happen. Certainly Zeke would wanna stay here. His family's here. I love his family, you know, and, and, you know, and, and and you know, that's something that he would wanna do, you know, but what what number makes sense? And, and and let's be honest, you know, if it's not this year, next year, Zeke's career in Dallas is over. You know, for, as 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 a, as a star premier running back, it's going to be this year or next year. But he's on a path to end his career on on a series of one year deals. You know, no matter where he goes, and and we'll right. see. I mean, you know, the the, the toll that's taken on his body and on his career, you know, you you can't undo that. You know, and and. Certainly, part of the reason why, you know, his, you know, he struggled this year late in the year because of injury. But the second straight year, he's had a knee injury to the same knee. You know, what makes you think he's going to go through all seventeen next year without being injured, without having another knee injury, another problem with the same knee? What do you, you pay for said, that? Doc, old players get hurt more often and then take longer to heal. Yeah, I mean, and, and what do you pay for that? You know. uh, so, you know, you know, we'll, we'll see. But, I mean, it, you know, Tony's on a – my reason why you take a running back is because, you know, Tony's future beyond this year is not guaranteed. You're going to pay him $10 million this year, but it's a one-year deal. And you're not paying him $13 you know, million His future beyond this year is not guaranteed either. Yeah, that's the thing that people forget. You know, Pollard turns 26 coming up in like a month or two. So after next year, going into that next offseason into 2024, he'll be going into that in his age 27 season. How does Tony Pollard age? We, nobody knows. So, right. Yeah, th- this is it's interesting what they're going to do at running back for the future, which is why it, I don't disagree with you. I mean, if, if a guy like a Bijan's there at 26, it, it makes a colossal amount of sense to get a dude like that cheap and ride him for six years. Ride him. And then worry about that when you worry about that. Right. Yeah. Because, you, you know, you pick up his fifth year option, you tag him for that sixth year, and you've got six years of a dude in his prime with this core of what the Cowboys are supposed to be. I kind of agree with you. I mean, if you got an opportunity for that, what do you care what's going to happen eight years from now when you're probably looking for a new quarterback and offensive line and receivers anyway? <laughs> yeah, it, it bothers my mind that people are, you just you just can't take a running back in the first round. 
he's a running back. You know, like first of all, as Stephen pointed out, you know, they only consider eighteen players to be first round picks. Just because a guy picked in the first round don't mean he's a quote unquote first round pick. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as value is concerned, you know, they you know, there are thirty two guys who are picked in the first round, but not all thirty two are considered quote unquote first round picks on everybody's draft board. So if you get a guy at the back of your draft board who's second on your board, but you got but he, you got to pick him in the first round. That's where you're picking. What's, there's nothing wrong with picking a running back there. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, let's shift topics for a second. What uh, What's your take on uh, Michael Irvin's situation yesterday? Michael Irvin, you know. You know I, I, go ahead. I, yeah, I, I. He's he's depressed. He's despondent. He's he's frustrated. I, I you know I've never seen him so you know. They're, you know, down, you know, and certainly he was emotional uh, in a situation where he feels helpless because by all accounts from his people, his witnesses, he did nothing wrong and he's getting railroaded and he feels he's getting railroaded by, you know, accusations. And, and, and people understand that people don't, there was never, there, there was never a criminal complaint filed. No police were involved. No one has, has alleged anything other than suggested that he said something and told the NFL Network, and they removed him. And the ESPN removed him. But, you know, this is, you know, the person who allegedly said this has not made any complaints to anybody's authority. And, and, and you know, and, and so it's, and, and the sad part is, is that they won't show him the video, they won't show what they say he's done or did to cause all this, you know, which is why. The hundred million dollar lawsuit, which is why they, you know, guess tried to plead to the public, you know, with the press conference yesterday to get Marriott or compel Marriott to show them the video. And they showed the lawyer the video, but they won't show the public the video. They the judges asked them for the video twice, and they have not um, produced the video to show what he's done. According to Michael's lawyer, um, there was nothing in the video that suggested he did anything untoward uh, toward the Marriott employee. And, you know, he had two witnesses, one, you know, who called in from Australia on, on, on a, on a um, live stream who, who said he was right there and that there was nothing out of the ordinary. There was nothing, you know, disrespectful anything that happened in the exchange. And so it, it none of it makes any sense, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's unfortunate. You know, Michael's getting, I think, railroaded because of perceptions of his past, you know, but, but until we see something else, you know, that, that's where we are. Well, no doubt, but your past is is all part of your package. Even if you change, your past remains part of your package, good or bad. And uh, in his case, there's been so many incidents over the years that kind of like Tim Kalashaw wrote today, he lost the benefit of the doubt. And so now I've known Michael as long as you've known Michael. And judging from his reaction, he didn't do anything wrong. And I'm basing that on the fact that uh, I can't remember what it was, but when he got exonerated and he was like, I want you to get it with the same intensity. Yeah, uh, reported with the same intensity. I think, yeah. I think me, and you were outside the, yeah. Yeah, me and you were outside the Cowboys Cafe when he saw us and a couple other people and it's just, it was, you know, I mean, he was very adamant then. I didn't do it. And so he's got that same kind of feel to me this time, but I mean, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, and his he's right. His his little deal is kind of in limbo now until some action takes place. Right. And and, and, and again, because there's no 
and which is why they want the tape because there's no criminal complaint. There's no judge or somebody else that can exonerate him. The only thing that can exonerate him is the tape. So people can see the tape and say nothing happened because there's, there's no court case here that they can exonerate him so he's innocent. You know, the, 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 you know, the, the lawsuit doesn't necessarily exonerate him. It's, it's really to compel them to show the tape to prove he's innocent. Right. And so that, that's kind of where he is. But certainly it, is, it has marred his reputation, you know, got him in limbo with his job. And, you know, he's not been on the air since it happened, you know. And, 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 and so he, his family, everything else is, 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 is in limbo right now until it gets resolved. So that's where he is. Uh, we can't let you go before we ask you, who's your starting quarterback for the for the University of Texas in the fall? Quinn Ewers? Yeah. Arch Manning? First of all, first of all that's, that's, that's ESPN hype. ESPN. <laughs> I just asked the question, man. I just asked you because the name hype. I just asked you the question. Who's the quarterback? I, first of all, let me answer the question while I answer the question. I'm not a yes or no guy, okay? And second of all, I am intimately involved with all the surroundings and questions and, and perceptions regarding what's going on. Quinn Ewers is the quarterback. The dude, uh, Manny, just got there three weeks ago. He lost his ID twice on campus. He's not ready to be the starting quarterback. ESPN asked <laughs> quote, a generic question, you know, you know about Quinn, I mean, about Peyton, uh, not Peyton Manning, but Arch Manning competing for the starting job, and he aimed a coach speak answer. All jobs are open. And yes, we like Arch. If you talk to anybody within the Texas program, the job is Quinn here. It's not even yes, a question. It's not even, it's, it's Quinn here. Because I hadn't seen any ESPN reports. You know, I don't really watch ESPN, except for, okay, well, uh, ex- except for, except day, for games. After, okay, well, after the first day of, 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 of spring practice, somebody asked him that and ESPN wrote this big story that Arthur Manning and 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 Trainer are competing for the starting job. And so a lot of people have been asking that saying, I've got that question several times in the last couple of days. Now I do have a bone to pick with your with your coach. Which is this okay, whole this this whole quote he came out with basically saying, Oh, we can take Quinn Ewers more seriously because he's got a clean cut look now. To me, that's that bullshit people used to say about black players with dreads or tats or cornrows or this or that. Get We should be past the stage in society today where I know plenty of CEOs with sleeves of tats where we're going to say a guy needs to look a certain way so we think that he's a clean-cut young man. Go fuck yourself, Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, there you go. I'm not even going to comment on that. I, I didn't see the quote. I don't. I don't know what oh, context. Let me text it to you right quick. Let me text it to you right quick. Let me text it to you right quick. He was probably joking. He loves Quinn Ewers. Maybe he was uh, joking. But man, I, I hear my come up with another I, joke, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anything needs to add to that, Matt. What do you think? I. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I, I also, it is very weird since I have tattoos. It is strange that there are still people that will see you and look at you and you just see them like look at your tats and look at you and you can tell they, I still find that very strange. Hey, you well, know, I mean, the, uh, depends on what the tats are. I mean, I, I, you know, depends on what the tats are. Well, yeah, I mean, if you got teardrop tattoos coming out of your eye, okay, I get that, or a throat tat or something, but, you know. I mean, I'm just saying. 
don't judge you where your cats are, okay? That's fair enough. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell this quick story. Me, me and Calvin were at a basketball game supporting his son, and he started talking trash in his gym. And the opposing team, we were behind the opposing team's bitch or whatever else, and these gentlemen from the other team was supporting their team, and they had cats on the eye. I'm like, Calvin, you know, you need to calm down with the, with the talking trash about these folks over here. Yeah, face tats are a different beast, man. <laughs> you need to calm down. He said, it's just two of them. It's two of us. I said, no, it's one of you. <laughs> yeah, one of you. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, the fat tits too. <laughs> oh, all right, chill. Great stuff, man. We appreciate you. All right, guys. Thank all right, you. See you. That's fantastic, Clarence Hill Jr. Always a great conversation. <laughs> it is weird. I don't. You know, it's it, it's interesting, and I don't know because obviously, in DFW is a massive city, and I think that that type of mindset is not as common. And even Birmingham to some degree, but man, there are places around here that I'll go and you can just tell that it, like I've, I met somebody, this is last week. I was, I was on a remote and I was wearing a short sleeve t-shirt when you can see my tats and this guy, he shakes my hand, he looks at my tattoos and he goes, Oh, that's interesting. What's that about? I said, what, what do you mean? He's like, your, uh, your tattoos there. What is that? And I just kind of pulled up my sleeve and showed him and he goes, Oh, uh, just looks like a guy drinking some beer. I was like, <laughs> yep. It is. And I, I'm just like, I don't feel the need to explain why I have these tattoos to you. It's like, nice meeting you. <laughs> it's like, whatever, nope. man. You know, I don't care. Oh, always great to talk to Chill and glad to be back at the podcast after a couple of days off. And I will say it's always it's always interesting to me because so many of you will reach out when we miss one day. It's one thing when we miss two days. A lot of you. I mean, we got a lot of messages and a lot of great stuff off our Instagram. So appreciative of so many of you that enjoy what we do that you reach out wondering if everything's okay and now you know what happened and why we were gone for a couple of days and we're all good and should be should be good to continue rolling out the episodes as the future unfolds and we will talk to you again soon thanks for listening to the jam session podcast make sure to find us on instagram at jam session cast of course you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.